Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. But I want to look at a scripture this morning, and uh, this afternoon, I guess. And it's one that is very common. In fact, over the last year, the Lord has been bringing common stories and parables and scriptures to me. And he says, Matt, sit in them. Because you've been taking them for granted. You think you know all that's there, but there's many more layers. And I've been sitting in this one, and more things have come. I thought, I never thought they existed, and there they are. And even in my context in Canada, where very few people go to church, everybody will still use the word in this parable. Somehow they know it, and you probably know it too. It's simply called the parable of the prodigal son. Heard about that before? Heard 15 messages on the prodigal son? You think you know the prodigal son? I thought I did. Then I've sat in that and going, God is revealing. So I want, hopefully, to show a few things here. First of all, I want you to say, work through this prodigal son story again for you. I want you to be thinking of your own life and the many roles that you play. And in reality, I think in one or two parts of our life, we are always being the prodigal. We often read the story as the entire person was the prodigal. But my senses, and for me I know, there's some areas of my life where I don't want to listen to what God has, and I kind of run away like the prodigal. Oh, I might be doing great in my marriage, but I'm kind of running away on my responsibilities, maybe as an uncle. I might be doing great at work, but I'm running away of how God wants to spend my life. I think we are all the prodigal in some areas of life. But I think we're also the, the older son in some areas of our life. And I also think we are called to be the father in some areas of our life. And what's that look like for us today? So I want you to be thinking about that. But secondly, as I walk this through slowly, I perhaps want to model for you what does it look like to engage the scriptures and meditate and to slow down and say, why did they write that in there? What's that all about? And as I do this, hopefully you'll get a sense you want to love the scriptures. I desire so much that we love the scriptures. That that we're passionate about them, that we want to know more. And we allow ourselves to sit in them and let them, I like to say, sometimes jump off the page or wiggle off the page and just touch us. So maybe that could be for you. But thirdly, here's what I want to do as well. All of Scripture talks to itself. And I want to relate this whole story back to Genesis. Did you know, if you understand kind of Genesis 1 to 10, you understand the entire Bible. Ever thought of that? If you understand Genesis 1 to 10, you know the entire Bible. We are not a very creative people, right? We repeat life over and over and over. And the entire Bible is Genesis 1 to 10 on repeat over and over and over again. Did you know that? God takes what is kind of chaos and creates beautiful things, separates stuff, and here comes man and woman and everything is beautiful. Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. Everything was beautiful until... Did God really say? And they go in chaos and they make a mess and God steps in with discipline, but God then rejuvenates and recreates and makes things beautiful again. And all of creation starts over again with Noah and the ark, right? All the water was filled with earth filled with water. 
And what does God do? Back to Genesis 1. He takes the water and he brings it back down. He separates once again water from land. And we start over again. And what does man do? Did God really say? And we mess it up again. And God steps in with discipline. And he kind of brings creation and gets it back. And over and over and over again. That's our lives. Why don't we trust who God is? And the beauty of what he has for us. So, Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. One more message on the prodigal. You ready to have some fun here? Luke 15, starting at verse 11. Let's see where this takes us. And when I'm done, Fred, just say you're done. And I'll just step off and sit down and enjoy. But it's a beautiful story. To illustrate a point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. Stop. How often do we read right past the man had two sons and there was a son that was born? A man had two sons. Think about that. There was a time when there was this man. He had two sons. I'm assuming there was a wife in the picture. There was this family at one time and everything was good. A man had two sons. And they would wake up and they would go farm and they would have meals together and they would laugh and life was good. We all long for this, don't we? This is Genesis chapter 1 and 2. There was a time when the earth was good and man would walk with God in the cool of the evening and enjoy communion with him. And Adam and Eve were there naked and not ashamed. There was a time when everything was good. There was a time when there was a man with two sons. And life was And in our hearts, we long for that, don't we? We long for that in our friendships. We long for that in our marriages. We long for that in our parenting. We long for that at work, that there is a sense of everything is lined up as God has designed it to be. You long for that. And I think we can all think of a part of our life right now where we long for Genesis 1-2. We long for community. We long for working. What part of your life do you desire that to have again? Because after we see there was this man with two sons and all was good, now we finally realize that. But there's this younger son. This younger son, he told his father, Father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And I think more than I can in my North American context, you here in Kenya understand more when the son tells the father, get out of my you feel that deeper than I do. And I need your story to help me understand. What does this really mean? Because you get that. I've had more conversations with oldest sons this last four weeks. And the pressure that they feel to toe the line, to care for everybody, and make sure it's all good. And the weight you feel. Right? And then there's the younger son, right? Anyone here, the younger Son or daughter? No? No one's the younger here in this room? You're all, are you all the older sons and daughters? That's why you're here, right? You're the responsible ones. We show up to church. And your younger, your younger siblings are where? Out there doing something, right? Yeah, the younger son. And he said, Dad, I want what I want. I don't believe that this home is how I want. There's something else about what area of your life perhaps are you already 
or are you lying? There's something else out there. Does God really say that I manage my finances this way? Does God really say that this is how sexual desires are meant to be lived out? Does God really say that this is how I treat my spouse? Did he really say that? Because I see people out there doing it differently. It looks better. I want to lead God. Give me my freedom. I don't believe. And this morning, where are you, the younger son? Where are you living that space? Oh, you say, no, I'm really good. I'm See how good my marriage is in this. But you know, deep down here, you're not telling anybody. But you're longing for something else out there. You don't believe that God has what's best for you. Where are you, the younger son? And so his father agrees and divides his wealth. And I can just feel the father, right? The neighbors are all watching, saying, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? What's happening? You're selling your stuff. Take and the father is taking all this in. Yet, our father, our heavenly father, says, if you think you know better, go and try it. Go and try it. If you don't trust me, I'm not going to drag you down. I'm not going to hold you here. I'm not going to you know, tie you here to the space. If you really think there's something else with the Father, you can feel the pain of the Father, can't you? And I don't want to read too much into this, but as I read this whole thing, where's the older brother? Where's the old brother? Why isn't the older brother stepping in and saying something? Sometimes there's something the Father can't say. But where's the older brother? And maybe that's you today. Maybe you know of a nephew or a niece or another sibling that wants to go off and go astray and it's giving pain to the family. Are you willing as the older brother to step in for a conversation? Some things the father can't say. And maybe we avoid that responsibility of the older brother. We're going to realize later that he had his own issues, but I think I'm sometimes called to be the older and do what the Father can do. But there's this next line that's so amazing. A few days later, I've been sitting in that little line. You know what I mean? Like, what's this whole idea? When the son said, I want to go, it took a few days before the Father could actually sell everything and give it to him. And there was this time that the younger son could have changed his life. You hear me? He had already made a decision. Yet he hadn't done it yet. And I thought, man, how often is this in my case? And there's this beautiful passage, actually, in, in the book of, of Genesis. Man, it just connects right back to so beautifully. Uh, Genesis chapter 4. You ever the story of, of Cain and Abel? Right? And one brought a good sacrifice and one did not. And Cain, you know, ends up killing his brother. But there's a moment, I think, where Cain had already decided to kill his brother, but he hadn't yet done it. And there's amazing verses in Genesis chapter 4. The Lord appears, and he says, why are you so angry, Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. But you must subdue it and be its master. And here was the younger son. He had decided, Cain had already decided, yet it hadn't yet happened. And maybe you're in that moment right now. 
You have decided to go to work and accept that bribe because you want to get ahead, but you haven't done it yet. It's still three days. You've decided that living with your spouse is no longer the best thing because there's someone else that you really like and that life would be better than, but you haven't yet done that. Three days. It could be two hours. You come home. You're exhausted, work's not going well, you're not getting along with your spouse too great, they've gone to sleep. You know, just going to that room and opening up the laptop and just enjoying some streams of pornography. You know, does God really care anyways? I'm really lonely and my wife or spouse is not giving me what I need. And you decide to do it, yet you haven't yet gone there for still for three days, so to speak. Sin is crouching at the door. You must subdue it. It's amazing what few words in the story where it can take your mind if you just sit in it and say, God, why did the author write? There were still three days. And you can feel the father's pain as he's selling over three days. And once again, where's the older brother? Why isn't he stepping in for a conversation? Why isn't he doing the work perhaps the older brother is called to do? And maybe... Who is God calling you to speak to now? They're about to go and do something that's so off track. And maybe it's your moment to step in and have that conversation before the three days is up. Will you step in? It may or may not help, but our call is to have those conversations. Finally, he gets away, packs his belongings, moves to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild land. At the start, sin may feel really good. Right? That affair is just, ah, oh, man, this is great. I'm finally getting love. It's finally there, of course. Why, what did I do the sooner? Yeah, what does God really know? Yeah, I did that thing at work, and I did do it quite with integrity, but you know what? I got ahead, and I got the promotion, and now we're able to buy another car and a better house, and life is pretty good now. Surely that was okay to do that. I could provide for my kids in a new way. And sin often feels really good, right? And we keep validating for ourselves. Yeah, why did God really say that? He doesn't know what he's doing. And for a while, the son is just enjoying some wild living, and he's probably not looking back at all. Life is good. Of course dad didn't know what he's talking about. Look at me. And I'm sure the news is going back to dad and the family. And I think you and your culture will understand more than I am my culture, the shame that that brings on the family. Right? The pain that brings back home. And the dad's probably hearing these stories. And just in pain. And how often is our Heavenly Father just in pain? Oh, He longs to have us back. We don't even think about it because we're enjoying the spoils of the sin and it feels so good right now. Surely God did and Our Father, our Heavenly Father's feeling the pain. His love for us is so deep. So deep. And once again, I ask, where's the older brother? Maybe the father can't go, but where's the older brother taking that trip over and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think there's areas in my life I've been coming called to be the older brother. 
Dad can't do that. There's someone in your life that you are called to go and have that conversation. It's not going to be easy. But maybe that is supposed to be your role in all this. But it continues, right? Eventually, sin catches up. Sin catches up. And all the fun is gone. And now the consequences of sin are there. And now what's the son's got to figure this out? And maybe this is your space right now. Maybe it's all caught up to you. And you're sitting here right now and feeling the consequences and feeling the shame and all the pain. You still don't want to. You still don't believe the Father might love you enough. You're still not ready to go back. So you're trying to figure it out on your own, right? And this guy went to a pig farmer and tried to figure it out himself. And maybe he can get himself back on his feet. He just felt who knows what he's feeling deep inside. And maybe you're feeling the pain right now in your finances, in your friendships, in your relationships, whatever it might be. But you're still hiding. You're still not coming back home. You're just sitting in it. Man, God has so much more for you. Because eventually, in verse 17, eventually, hopefully, I pray, you'll come to your senses. We all have to come to that point, right? Once again, this is not maybe your entire life, but there's a period. And maybe people around you think, oh, you're doing amazing. Your life is great. It's all good. But you know deep inside there is this space that you have run from the Father. I don't think you actually know what you're doing, God. And you're sitting, and you know it's not working. But you're too embarrassed to come out. And maybe you're here today, you just need to hear this. Will you today come to your senses? It's time. It's time to come to your senses. The Father's waiting. Everybody's waiting. You've realized that, yeah, what God did say is actually true. And when you come to your senses and come back. Because then we have the beautiful part of the story, right? But he still's not sure what to do with this. So he creates his own answer. He creates a way he's going to get back to the Father. He's got a speech already to go. And maybe you're in that moment. You're trying to figure out, how do I get back now to connect with that relationship that was wrong or something took place? You're kind of finding the way to, you know, have the story and make yourself, you know, get your way back in. And we all do that, don't we? We all try to figure things out on our own way to resolve that. And good for us to try to do this. But something with the Holy, with God, the way He resolves things is so much different than the way we want to resolve them. He doesn't want us to sit in the guilt and the shame. Just come back, He says. Just come back. And we'll figure this thing out. And there's a number of beautiful lines. He finally returns and he has the story with his father. He tries to make tell his father, but his father just won't have nothing of it. And there's two amazing parts of this part of the story. One I've always seen, the other I just saw a few months ago. The Father's waiting, which I love. And wherever you are right now, whatever you've done, whatever you've experienced, whatever you've ran away, I want you to always know the Father is always waiting. In fact, he's looking for you. He's waiting with anticipation, so much so that there's this great line in verse 23. He says, and kill the calf we have been fattening. The father was ready for the market. 
He didn't have to prepare for the party. He always had the calf ready. He had a knife in his hand. As soon as he saw his son, let's kill this. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. God is waiting to have a party with you. He's got the calf. It's stagnant. There's nothing planning happens to do. He always had it there. He was always waiting for a party. I understand that every sin we, we commit and all the mess we make, there's stuff to clean up. I understand that. But in this story, it always begins with a party. It doesn't begin with, well, first do this and fix this and make this happen. And maybe eventually we can figure out how to have a party. No, no. With the Father, it always begins. What would it look like if we lived our lives with the Father? No matter what someone has done to us, no matter what has happened, we are first of all ready to throw a party that that friend came back, that child came back, the spouse came back, whatever came back, we are first going to throw a party. We'll figure out the details later of all the mess that was created, but first, the fact that you're back. It's party time. Is this church going to be a party-throwing church? Yes. Now, whatever message you created, you can come to these doors, and there's a party. We'll figure out the details later. You've got to restore things. I understand that. Sin causes issues that have to be solved. I know that. But can we begin with parties? Do you always have a factory cap ready to go? We're always ready to have the party. And I love this, and I want to be this person. Man, I can first so much jump to, wow, you hurt me and did this. I don't want to be that person. I want to first be a party-throwing first person. And then Lord help us to figure out how to restore the messes that were created. What would it look like that those of us as followers of Jesus were party-throwing people, walking people back, And where's the brother? Where's the older brother? Oh, maybe you're sitting in that space right now. And there's some in your life and you're like, I can't even show up for that. How can God step into our lives? And here's the beauty of that that goes later on. His son said in verse 31, Dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Yet the older son was so dutiful and so checkboxing in his religious faith that he didn't enjoy the joy of the Lord. God said, it's all here for you. Come on, enjoy it. And as we live our faith in Jesus, he invites us, yes, to participate in his work and there's work to be done and we're going to enter those moments and some of it might be hard. But he says, but all I have is yours, and you need to experience joy as you do this. How often do we go through the motions and check the box and do it all right, and we like to think we're great, and those people over there are doing things wrong, and I don't want to throw a party for them, and we're missing what's right in front of us. There's a banquet set. There's food to be enjoyed. There's a party to attend, and we can't do it because we're so stuck. Are you missing the joy of the Lord? I remember back in my banking career, 
I was 11 years into it. And I've always embraced the beauty from God in my life and spiritual rhythms and all these things. I remember I was journaling one summer, I think it was 2001, and I said, God, whatever you want me to do. And I've always prayed that prayer. I pray it to this day. I want to hold everything loosely, but at that moment, I said, God, whatever you want me to do. And it was like God sat down beside me. And he said, really? Are you ready for a ride? And I stopped writing. Ever had those God moments where you wish you didn't? <laughs> like it's so much better to control God, is it not? Right? And to make the structure, okay, God, here's how we're going to do life. And thanks for coming along with me, right? That's how we like to enjoy God. And God said, Are you ready? And I left journaling. And I walked around my house for two hours. I thought, Shoot, but God knows. And it didn't go well for the disciples, right? From an earthly perspective, like they did not have good lives. I like to say we love to read the stories of the Bible, but none of us really wants to live the stories of the Bible. Hear me? I love to talk about Stephen and preaching and being stoned to death. Just I'm not volunteering for that role, right? Daniel's an amazing guy. Just don't put me in the light. Right? And on, we love the stories. We will preach them all day long. We'll have Bible studies about them. We'll kind of create three-point sermons around them. Just don't make me live them. Right? And I was in this moment saying, oh, God's going to ruin my life. Literally, that's what I thought. And for two hours, when I said, God, you're going to ruin my life. Oh, I had everything going. I was doing my church thing, and I was serving you there, and on and on. And you're about to do something I don't want. Yet something inside me after two hours hit me saying, Matt, you will never experience joy unless you engage in exactly what God has for you. So do you want to live your own life? Go for it. Do you want joy? God says, all I have is yours. Come on, grab it. And the yours from that moment for me was, are you ready for anything I have for you, Matt? That took me on a three-year journey of stepping away from banking, of beginning education in theology, and of becoming a pastor. Do you want joy? Do you want joy? Amazing story, isn't it? There's so much in here. You sit in every line. Why did this author put that here? Why did they do that there? Where are you, the young man today? What area of your life? Have you looked at God and said, did you really say that? Like, I have my own way. I'll, I'll serve you here. I'll do this. I'll follow you there. But I got a couple things. I really don't want to follow you. So I'm going to go my own way. Where are you sitting in that space of your life? Are you ready to come back and come to your senses? Are you ready to come back? Maybe you're in the moment of, ah, it's really good. God shouldn't have said that because look at how much fun I'm having. Sin will catch up to you. But I want you to know this. God is a party-throwing God. The fact that Kath is ready. He's standing at the road waiting for you to come back. Maybe today is your moment that you can come back. And there's maybe a mess to clean up. But first, God wants to throw a party. And maybe this church wants to throw a party for you. 
And you'd experience the joy that you've kind of lost because you thought that God really said it. And what I love with the story about the prodigal son, to me it's more about the prodigal God. Isn't God the one who's the prodigal? Isn't he the one who's reckless? Recklessly walking back, welcoming back the sinner, recklessly just throwing a party and spending lavishly on it. I think God's the prodigal. And he wants to recklessly welcome you back. And he just wastes all kinds of money on a party with you. Because you've returned. You've returned. What's it going to take? You're going to ready to come back. Or are you called to be the older brother and maybe step in for a conversation? And where is God asking you? Just be me and throw a party. Because once upon a time, there was a man with two sons. And life was great. And things were as they should be. And God is calling you back to live life as it should be, as he so designed you. My prayer is that that will be your reality in all aspects. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at your Bunny House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.